Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to the second part of our two-part examination of the Friday the 13th series. This episode begins with the fifth Friday the 13th, a new beginning. Then we hack our way through Jason Lives, the new blood, Jason takes Manhattan, Jason goes to hell, and Jason X. So join us as the body count grows, more of Jason's skeleton shows, and Cat thinks part eight just isn't very good. And now, we welcome back that man behind the mask, whose name was Jason. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I want to kill you. The undead. You ever talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Not the third switch! finger just twitches and Tommy grabs a machete and off screen just keeps chopping him up into little pieces. Die! He says as he chops him and and his sister's going, Tommy! Stop it! Enough so that we run into Tommy in the next film institutionalized. He survived the experience but came out of it with uh, troubled. And we're now at Friday 13th Part 5 A New Beginning which came out in 19... 1985. If the memory of Jason still haunts you, you're not alone. Friday, the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. If the time between Parts 1 and 2 was five years, and then how much time would you say passed between 4 and 5? Four came right after three, so there's no time there. Right. Tommy was probably 12, 13 in part four, and in part five, he's... Is he in a place just for young people? Mm, Yeah. So let's say 17. Okay. It's like four years have passed now. It doesn't matter. Who cares? He's another actor now, and... um, It was supposed to be Corey Feldman, but he was shooting Goonies, so he couldn't come reprise his role. Reprise his role. That would have been something. So now Tommy Jarvis, having hacked Jason to death and, and being very disturbed by the whole experience, he's now in a, a kind of a, a mental rehabilitation. It's like a halfway house. Halfway house for, for young people who have been through things. But if you take things. that house and put it in the woods in a basically camp situation. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to get over all of this. And, and I actually wrote down, they send this poor kid to a secluded facility in the woods. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for exposure therapy, but, like, of all the places to send this poor guy, like... Fresh air, that's what this boy seriously. needs. Seriously. So, you know, I tried to start giving nicknames to these Fridays so that I could tell them apart, and this is the cuckoo's nest one for me. Ah. Because, you know, 
And a lot, a lot of characters who are really inconsequential, a lot of really bad acting. And in a very disturbing turn of events, one of the characters who's not Jason murders on camera another character who's Total not Total surprise. Jesus. Just because... So violent. The, the sort of character of the, the man-child, or let's just say let's, the character of the outcast gets established pretty early with everybody else. Yeah. And then there's a ticking clock for them. But that ticking clock is usually like half an hour further into the movie. Once he kind of wanders off alone, he gets dejected. That's kind of a good reason to be alone. Just go out to the parking lot and kick some rocks. Mm-hmm. We'd seen it before. And so we get the, the outcast who is then immediately killed. Murdered. Which, okay. I mean, we're up to what now? Five? Yeah. So <sighs> by five, they at least changed the pace up enough to really surprise me. Because I thought yeah. by then nothing would. Yeah, no, that was really shocking. Um, there's this awful, like a hillbilly family in this yeah. one that is kind of reminiscent of the uselessness of the biker gang in part three. Where you're just like... Why are they giving them more screen time? Just someone else to kill. Yeah, this movie is so incredibly forgettable for me. It's frustrating. there's one unforgettable scene, just unforgettable in its weirdness. Is it the one where the girl's dancing? No. No. Which one? Where the girl's singing. There's a a little boy at this home who lives there with his granddad, who's like the cook. Oh, right. And then he gets to go and visit his brother, who lives... He lives in a van, but the van is at a trailer court, so it's a little less oh, homeless Oh, God. I know what you're going to say now. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, so they go. They have a nice visit. They have to leave. I think he he offers him a beer and then goes, just kidding. He does. And then gives him a bag of weed. And it's uh, the same actor. He was in a Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. And you see him and you're like, oh, that guy. Yep. There's a lot of, oh, that guys in the later uh, movies in the series for me. And then the... Main characters leave, but we stay with this couple in the van, and he just goes, oh, the enchiladas, and he runs. Grabs his stomach and runs to the outhouse. By the way, and he's wearing, like, all leather and, like, leather pants. Uh-huh. Like, that must be. Yeah. Ugh, outhouse plus leather pants. Yeah. So, anyways, so he's busy dealing with his, his enchiladas. And I thought after part three, I wouldn't have to watch another character poop. That happens a lot in part three. Yeah. Yeah. The, the comedy got broader in three, but mm-hmm. then got the scope got narrowed back down for four, then back up for five because he's, he's in, in the outhouse, outhouse and his girlfriend kind of comes to like check on him slash tease him through the wall and she starts singing to him while he's trying to get it all out. And then he starts singing back, but not like a song that you've ever heard of no. or a song that they really created for the movie because they're just saying, ooh, baby, back and forth to mm-hmm. each other. Like, ooh, baby. And then he's inside on ooh, the can. Ooh, baby. And then, ooh, baby. <laughs> ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. And this goes on for a while. Oh, really? Way too long. Yeah. But it's so romantic. Is it? No, that was sarcasm. I don't even know if romance was the point for that. I don't know. I de- defer to weirdness. They were like, we need some kind of die on the crapper. What can these characters be doing? You guys make up a song. And or it's like, we the need, scene was born. we need her to be nearby. It's like, well, what girlfriend would hang out outside of the outhouse? Ah, uh, well, she's singing to him. She's singing to him. That's why she's and outside the outhouse. And multiple people agreed to that. It's like, yeah. what well, works for me. Yeah. Anyways, before we move on. Uh, just going back to how my generational window, how we would pass off information to each other over, you know, who's seen what movie and fill each other in as if they were ghost stories. Yeah. I hadn't seen this movie at all, but I found somebody who had and they said, well, it's not really Jason. It's an ambulance driver 
who's possessed by Jason. Oh, right. So the young fella that gave me my information 30 years ago yeah. got it a little bit wrong, was yeah. under the impression that he wasn't. A, the concept of a copycat killer is a little harder for us to comprehend than possessed because we knew possessed. Right. Possessed was Freddy too. Possessed was the dad at the end of Poltergeist 2. Possessed he got was possessed. the exorcist. Well, none of us had really seen that, but we had seen um, Ghostbusters. Sure. Where, you know, there is no Dan, only Zool. That's possessed. So we thought that the ambulance driver was possessed. Not that he was just a person who wanted to commit murder. and Yeah. yeah. Who, in order to do that, by the way, wore a mask that was like a bald mask. like a Yeah. And then wore a second mask, the hockey mask, on top of that. Yeah. So he can fool a bunch of people who aren't going to live to tell about it. And FYI. ladies and gentlemen, that's Friday 13th Part 4. After all that nonsense. Five. I mean, five. Look yeah. at that. After all that nonsense in Part 5, it wasn't even Jason. That's the final twist of the knife. Pun intended. But for me, the sequels were all worth Part 6. They thought the nightmare was dead. And buried. They were wrong. Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part 6. Jason lives. Starts August 1st in a famous players and other theaters near you. Though it came out in 1986, meaning I was only two years old, and therefore it shouldn't have been, quote, my Jason movie, but it was. I had a brother mm. who loved it. He had it on VHS. We watched it over and over and over and over again. I love this movie. It's so smart. The writer also directed the film, and that was Tom McLaughlin. And it's not a perfect movie, but this movie, for a lot of really fun reasons, it gets us back to basics. It's at a camp. There are children at the camp this time. First time time ever there are children at the camp. We've also got smart young people. These people are self-referential. It, it's this weird... Well, the series is starting to get self-referential. It is, but even... but But before becoming silly. Yeah. So... It's, it's very, in, yeah. in my opinion, a very Scream-style kind of witty... It's like, starting to become meta. Yeah. Without More, getting tired. And for 1986, like, I'm impressed, man. Like, I loved it as a kid. I saw that before I saw the original film, but... Now as an adult and rewatching it through that lens, I'm appreciating it even more now. And um, C.J. Graham is the Jason. He's a great Jason. The storyline is that Tommy Jarvis, who was Corey Feldman and then the other actor and now is a third older, actor. He's locked up in an institution but has broken out for the night with a buddy of his from an institution because he has to make sure Jason's really dead. He wants to dig up the body. We open in this giant thunderstorm. Lightning is just flying. Tommy gets some rage in him, grabs a metal pole off the fence at the cemetery, jams it into Jason's body, and, of course, lightning hits it, zombie Jason. And thus begins the direct correlation and the beautifulness of this film as a Frankenstein story. I mean, Tommy creates the monster with electricity and spends the rest of the movie trying to warn everybody and say, like... Put a lid on it. Yeah. And it's also got this weird vampire quality to it, which a lot of people refer to. How so? A vampire story quality, which is the idea, if you kill him in the lake where he died, quote, the first time, it might kill him good. Yeah. I've seen that referred to as kind of vampire lore-ish. I don't think I'm trying to inject awesomeness where there isn't awesomeness. I really do love this movie. 
So anyway, he spends the rest of the time going back to what these smart characters now refer to this as Camp Blood. Everybody knows the legend and they all joke about it. Oh, we're going to get murdered by Jason Voorhees. They're all very smart and very savvy. For example, the two older counselors who are there to kind of like help run the camp, they're on their way, they're running late. Jason stopped them in the road by just standing there creepily. Oh, And yeah. the girl says, I've seen enough horror movies to know the guy with a mask isn't trying to be friendly or whatever. But she's basically commenting on the situation they're in and the fact that this guy's probably going to kill us if we don't get the hell out of here. And she's right. I love that. My favorite bit of this new tone that you've embraced is uh, the two young boys who sort of comment on being attacked, kind of like two small Statler and Waldorf. I love those little boys. Please elaborate. They, they only have like, like two lines each, and they're I've written amazing. them all down. Yeah. Um, Jason's starting to attack, and they're instructed to like stay in their cabins, and one just says to the other, what do you think? And the other says, I think we're dead meat. <laughs> and then... A little bit later, real dead meat, whereas one turns to the other and says, so what were you going to be when you grew up? I love that line. And that's it. That's all we really see of these boys. I love it. And and Jason doesn't kill any of the kids, which I love. Yeah, he's, he kind of looks like he's thinking about it. But he doesn't do it. But that. he doesn't. And not only is this the only time we see campers at the camp, it's also the only Friday the 13th film, the first and only Friday the 13th film that doesn't include nudity of any kind. There's sex. That I hadn't noticed. There isn't nudity. No boobies in this movie. Not I, to say that makes it superior. I was kind of so numb to it by that point that I didn't even notice when it wasn't there. It's also the first movie to feature Jason being shot with a gun. Mm. FYI. Um, yeah, by six movies, you really can't have people just say like, oh, it's a guy in a hockey mask. What does he want? I also love the fact that the caretaker of the cemetery where they dig up Jason's body... He comes in and covers it up because he doesn't want people talking about how he's not a good caretaker. He mm -hmm. covers in the grave and he looks directly at the camera and says, some folks have a strange idea in entertainment. And I love it. He's talking to the audience. Like, look at this movie you just paid to see. Are you crazy? It's about a bunch of people getting hacked up. It's just, oh, it's beautiful. Now, something that this uh, movie had that the others didn't was a tie-in music video that would play a lot on MTV like when this came out. I've seen this one. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, awesome. they, they brought in Alice Cooper for at least one original song. I know he's got more than one on the soundtrack. He's got one called Teenage Frankenstein. I'm a teenage Frankenstein. That plays during the RV sequence. That's yeah. a really fun song. And the other is, what's it called? Oh, but he's back. He's the man yeah. behind the mask. Brilliant right. song. I put that on like a Halloween CD you, for you. You sure did. Did you already have it? Nope. There you That's go. That's the first time I had it in, in MP3 form. And I now know all the words and it's the most ridiculous. Now, while I never you know got out to the theater to see the movie, highlights of the movie would play in the music video. So I knew how he came back. I knew some of the kills. I'm not graphic. But one of my favorite for the whole series is when they're in the RV and he attacks a girl and pushes her so hard into the side of the RV. At at this point, I guess it's possible, but it's more like cartoon. It's so cartoony. It's, it's not car possible. Cartoony. You just see the outline of her face kind of pop through the other side. Yeah. 
before we get off, if again, I'm telling you to do all these things here, listeners. But if you haven't seen the music video for Man Behind the Mask with Alice Cooper, you should. It's It makes no sense. It shows clips from the movie. But it's like Alice Cooper in this, like, damned movie theater or something. And there there's this other couple who's, like, running around from him. And he's scary. It's It, it makes no sense. But what I wanted to say about the RV thing is you've gotten me into this train of thought of, like, thinking about these characters. It's like when we talked about Dr. Giggles and, like, all the planning that went into what he was doing. Just logistics. And thinking about the in-betweens of the scenes. So, like, when Jason bursts out of the RV, okay, we know he's okay. But then he's got to find his way back to camp. Like, I imagine him, like, how long would, how far away were they? How long did it take? Did he know immediately? I guess he's got some kind of, like homing beacon inside of him. Yeah. But I like to imagine him taking that what, nice long stroll by himself. He knows those woods. He does. Let's just say. He knows what, the shortcuts. What does he think about when he's walking through the woods? I really want to know. I guess I won't. <laughs> Ever. Just kind of like, you know, it's a mild night. Yeah. Oh, I really like, this is so stupid, but there are so many things, as we've talked about already, in movies in general and in this series, that characters are doing that are just stupid and don't make sense and, you know, like singing at someone while they're pooping. But <laughs> there's a scene in, so another another storyline in this movie is that Tommy has a run-in with the sheriff and the sheriff's really not having any of it. Tommy's trying to warn him, Jason, Jason, Jason's going to murder everybody. And the sheriff's like, we don't need you dredging all this up. This town's trying to forget about it winds up locking up the kid. Anyway, the sheriff's daughter, who's this spicy blonde teenager, she's sitting in a chair. And she's, mm-hmm. like, balancing herself, like, trying to balance backward, and then, like, falls over. And it seems like just some busy thing they gave her to do, but I really appreciate that, because I used to do stuff. I st- We all do. That's real. Is we a, do stuff like it's that. It's a human kinda, moment. Yeah, it's a very human moment, is all I'm saying. And I think what you're also saying, if I may put words in your mouth, is uh, it means a little something more... When Jason is trying to kill characters that you've established. Yeah. That you've given a little personality to. You identify to. with them. Hey, I used to or balance like, in chairs like that. Don't kill her. The only other thing about this. I do believe, like, all the Frankenstein stuff and, like, I was talking about the vampire, like, lore. The idea of someone having a garlicky type thing that will take them down or silver bullet or whatever. Tom McLaughlin, who, or McLaughlin, who wrote the screenplay and was the director. He was kind of given free reign to Mm. do what he wanted with the story. They just said, we need Jason back. We don't care how you do it. And he kind of purposely wanted it to be like a classic universal monster type thing. Oh, so that's why he kind of did it that way. And what they do is get him back to the lake. They tie a chain around his neck and the chain to a rock and send him down to the bottom. Yep. And there he waits for the next one. Waiting for the one you've been asking for, the one you've been dying for. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me. Jason Ah! is back. But this time, someone is waiting. Friday the 13th, part 7, The New Blood. Opening Friday, May 13th, the deadliest day of the year. Okay, we're already in a world where the undead walk. So let's uh, throw in some telekinesis. And I hate this movie. 1988, The New Blood. Cat's starting to fray around the edges a bit. I'm trying to sound as unenthusiastic as I possibly... I'm doing voice acting to make sure that you understand how much I hate this movie. 
if it were a dog, I would be rubbing its nose into its pee on the carpet right now. But I'd like to uh, to channel your negative energy as just to say this is how much cat loves the first part of the series. <laughs> yeah. So much so that when it started to drop off in quality, she just gets angry. You just wait until part eight. But just remember, this comes from a place of love. Mm-hmm. A love for movies that are not any of the ones we're going to talk about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring yourself back to what I was talking about earlier, how the director was toying with the idea of doing like a different genre with each Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. And, oh, what would the vet been like? In a way, they've kind of already done it. Mm-hmm. With part seven, which is he goes up against basically Carrie. Right. He goes up against a teenage girl with telekinesis. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, it's not just a straight up slasher pick anymore. Now it's sort of a paranormal, supernatural. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you can call a teenage girl with telekinesis a genre, <laughs> I mean, there's been three Carrie movies already. Right. Four, I think. There was a TV movie. Hey, it's a genre now. Yeah. And Friday the 13th, The New Blood is now a part of that. And then later, it's sci-fi with Jason X. That's a different, you know, that's like the movie Alien, basically. And Freddy versus Jason, it's like an old universal movie where they have to find a reason for why is Frankenstein, Wolfman, and Dracula (laughs) all chasing a common goal. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, they're starting to branch out a little bit into subgenres. Yeah. Um, This is the first movie where you can see Jason's ribs. I, one of the only things I have to say about this movie is that I love his bony back. I love his weird ribby. I love the costuming for it where he's all gross and tattered and you can see all these ribs. I actually love it. I think it's, it's creepy and zombie Jason and it's great. There's my positive thing to say about this movie. And as the movies go on, culturally, we got further away from camping because the first one was like made in 79. I think young people were a bit more into nature. For a little while there. Yeah. It was just kind of like a leftover from the 60s. You could get people out in the woods easier then. Yep. If you go all the way to the reboot, I think it's because they wanted to find a pot field. <laughs> That's why some of them were out there. Because they knew they there tried was... to make the audience understand why they'd go out it's there. like, why would anybody go to the woods? There's a field full of pot. Oh, well, then that makes sense. Well, how yeah. about the other people? They're barely in the woods. They're in a, a house that has cable mm-hmm. and all the amenities of life. So they're, they're, those guys are barely in the woods, right. and these guys are searching for weed. Whereas in the beginning, it was just like, people actually like nature. Yeah. But by the time you got to like 1988, it's like, well, now why would, would anybody go out there? You're an intelligent man. Thank you. Make a good living? Not bad. Get a good life? Pretty good. Answer me one question. Sure. Why the hell would you want to come up to a plant-infested no-man's land like this and live like a barbarian for a week? There's two groups. One is out there for a surprise party. So that's kind of... Yeah, all right. I'll buy it. You'll you'll go to the woods for... If you got one friend who's into it. Mm -hmm. And then you want to throw them a surprise party. Right. That'll get you out there. And then the other is because the young girl is returning to the scene of all of her distress where she accidentally, with her powers, killed her father. And as she wishes for her father to return, accidentally revives Jason. Yeah. She's out there with her psychiatrist, who is just trying to document her moving stuff. Yeah. He's desperate for it. He's, okay. He's disregarding her progress and feelings in the hopes of capturing... Like, he's trying to rile her up and get her pissed off so she'll make something move so he can yeah. film it. He's a really unsavory guy. Okay. And her mom's there, too. Yeah. yeah. The actor is uh, Terry Kaiser. Best known as Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Cool. Bernie who dies in the beginning of the first Weekend at Bernie's and is dead throughout the rest of it. 
and continues to be dead through its sequel weekend to Bernie's 2. Yeah. Doesn't anyone realize he's dead? Jason uses a weed whacker, which up till then would just be sort of used in like parodies. And, and not even um not even like movies with them, but just whenever like a a mad magazine type of thing would try to make fun of slasher films, a go to was weed whackers. You're like, oh, weed whacker massacre part seven. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It would be used as, as like such an extreme, it had to be a joke to poke fun at the slasher films of the day. Yeah. And then this one comes out with like, oh yeah? Weed whacker. Kill it a weed whacker now. Part seven, there are so, so many what you'd call false endings in this movie. Just meaning there's so many things she throws at him telekinetically, literally, like throws, like things that hit him or push him or whatever that you're made to think like, oh, maybe that was the blow that got him. And she keeps relaxing after these times. He goes down and she keeps like thinking it's over. That ought to do it. And I'm like, bitch, it's not, it's clearly not over because it wasn't over literally three times You've done this. Figure out a different way. You know, like, it's just frustrating. And also, the other thing is, her telekinesis didn't seem strong enough to knock him down. Like, the way that objects were coming at him, the special effects of it, it just felt weak. Yeah, like, the way they were kind I, of I think like there was a chair just kind him. of like. Yeah, like just that wouldn't take him down. Kane Hodder's like stocky. It's like he's a bigger Jason. It wouldn't do anything. Just bumping a floating chair into him? Totally. Yeah, bumping. Just boop. <laughs> anyway, part seven, everybody. There's a storm at sea. You're all gonna die. And it's blowing terror to the Big Apple. Now, the only safe place to be is out of town. Friday the 13th, part eight. Jason takes Manhattan, New York. As a new problem, rated R. The promise of a title like Jason Takes Manhattan is that Jason will be, I don't know, in Manhattan a lot. In your favorite haunts of Manhattan. And that, sure. was, the, that was the intention of the guy who wrote the script. I mean, he said he had scenes written in Madison Square Garden and at the Statue of Liberty. like Central all, Park? Central Park, I'm sure. All these places. But the studio was like, yeah, you can't do that. They're like, you can do one or two things. Hence the scenes in Times Square. But the rest of it, you know, we'll have to shoot it in Vancouver or something. But you can't have all these New York landmarks. We just can't afford it. So cut to this movie being yeah. a giant piece of trash, two-thirds of which take place on a boat instead of in Manhattan. Out on a boat on the lake, way far away from the dock, with the wind of the wind with the sky and everything. Neither one of us has enough time to discuss all of the ridiculous things that don't make sense about this movie. But I'm going to say plenty of them. Can I jump to my favorite? Just, just Please jump right in. give me something. Okay. Well, most of it's on a boat. Yeah. And then the boat sinks and they get on a life raft. It's a grad cruise. These teenagers have graduated high school. Of a very small class, apparently. Yeah. Because at first they're all spread out over the boat, but then once they consolidate, there's only like 10 of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the crew of the ship seems to consist of three people. <laughs> But there's a giant kitchen. Who's cooking everything? I guess the captain, because there's only three people. There's the captain, his first mate, and a swabby who's standing in for Crazy Ralph. Yep. Who keeps going like, you're all doomed. doomed. It's like, well, then don't get on the boat. Right? Why are you on the boat? Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. So so, what's your favorite? Well, they come to shore, and I I hadn't really looked into just where the movie was made. I was like, that doesn't much look like Jersey, but whatever. 
the cop that they, they finally run into, first they run into a couple of real New York muggers who then take the girl oh, off. Oh, you're taking us to Manhattan already? All right. For a raping. And, oh. Yeah. And, and then they inject her with drugs, and then I think uh, Jason kind of breaks up that party. Yeah. And she's on drugs for a little while, I guess. You're skipping way ahead to Oh, I am. for me. Because this is coming to my favorite part of the movie. Okay. Which is, um, then they finally, they find a cop. And when that cop talks, because they're like, there's a guy and he's chasing us and he's got a machete and we're trying to run from him. And he's like, oh, I find it a tall tale, but you seem like honest folks. He had the craziest Canadian accent. Canadian. So, like, clearly all the docks part, like, everything that wasn't an actual landmark in New York was Vancouver. Was Vancouver. <laughs> and so they got a Canadian actor to play this New York cop. Was he like... Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to sound like a New York cop. They're all kind of tough guys. Yeah. And then was that his attempt at New York? It or was he just been. doing it straight? And could nobody on the set hear it? It uh, was. That makes me want to go back and listen to that part again. That's funny. It didn't strike me at the time. Maybe because I was in a blindingly white heat of rage in my brain. To, I guess, the actor's credit, the line is totally just like, oh, hey, Sportsman's Paradise. Can I get you anything? Yeah. You know? It was like a super friendly line. They're like, how else is he going to play it? Mm-hmm. There was no uh, hard New Yorkness in this. Not like the waitress that they had later, which is like, a guy's trying to kill us. Welcome, Welcome to, to New, New York. York. I don't know if that was filmed in New York or they just shipped her in. Right. She was great for what she was worth. Um, I, I guess that was a, a, a long road through about 45 minutes of the movie or more just to get to that one guy with an accent he shouldn't have had. Definitely more than 45 minutes. Can I just say that's that's indicative of the rest of the movie? Over an hour. Well over an hour, Marshall, before they're ever in New York City. There it is. The apple. The city's so nice they named it twice. Check it out one time, won't you? There are many things I hate about this movie. I mean, you know, okay, they, they exercise some, some retcon here where they're... Or, oh, or not even that. Just in every of, movie. In, uh, after, after a certain point. But, like, there's a lead character named Rennie who, I guess, had an interaction with young Jason as a child. Or she thinks she did. Yeah. According uh, to this one, Jason didn't survive the drowning. He just hung out at the bottom of the lake the whole time. Right. So that negates the mortal Jason of parts two, three, and four. Mm. And just takes us to a immortal Jason who was a little boy, immortal, then grew up. Eh, you know, I can't even finish that sentence. Uh, nope. There are so, so many things, continuity-wise, that don't make any sense. Character-wise, set-wise. I mean, they're on a, some kind of grad cruise, but then one of the teachers is telling them they have to turn in their biology projects. For what? They graduated. Um, uh, yeah. There's also... Okay, so the lead character, she's seeing these visions of, of young Jason. That's not the same makeup in every single vision. It's very No, th- that one progresses. Uh, he, he's supposed to like... St- well, in that one, it doesn't start that he was a, um, for lack of a better word, deformed uh-huh. boy, as he seems to be in all the movies. Uh, I think this movie is reimagining that the way he got all kind of bleh, um was after death. Like, that's all post-mortem. That he drowned as a young boy with, like, a full head of hair and two eyes at the same... That he had a symmetrical face. And that the longer he spent as an underwater ghoul, he lost his hair and became lopsided. Because in, in, like, every vision of him, he gets more... He starts losing more and more hair and starts getting more and more 
as we knew him to be as Jason. You're giving this movie an awful lot of credit. Why well, to think about it just to make it make sense? But I appreciate you for taking the time to do that. I don't. I wasn't born with enough middle fingers for how I feel about this. The only things about this movie that I can tolerate are the opening and the closing music because it's all very like noir and stupid and silly. You know, on these streets, watch it, it again. It, it's very. I do. It was kind of. It was like hair metal. Kinda. Not, yeah. Not the first thing I'd label noir, but no, no, no. I, I the guess... way the guy's talking is though, like oh, he's like New York. There's City. voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I think I wrote down a note that like. The opening credits of Night Court was more authentic to New York. Fair enough. Than the, than yeah. the opening credits of Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. But I love them for the silliness. I also love the whole dog fake out at the end where they think they're going to see Jason and then it's, oh, it's just the dog. <laughs> end of movie. The only other thing I appreciate, and it's stupid and doesn't make sense, Jason should never be in an urban area and it's all so stupid, but mm. there are certain things, and you started to touch on it, that fulfill the promise of the title Jason Takes Manhattan that we do get, which is Jason walking around in Times Square, Jason on the subway. It's yeah. kind of fun, it just in and of itself. And I, I love him walking around there. I do think it's completely stupid and completely out of character for the Jason I know and love for him to, as you mentioned, he kicks over this like boombox of these street thugs and they're like, you, you're going to get it. And then he turns around and takes off his mask, pulls up his mask so they can see his gnarled face. And then they're like, whoa, buddy, we're sorry. And like run away. That's... Ludicrous. Ludicrous. Why would he do that? Never well, would it he is do that. Interesting that like we never really knew what he would do in a city in the sense that like, well, he seems to kill everyone. Would he just start killing everyone and not stop until he's killed six million people? Rather, mm-hmm. it was trying to retcon some kind of like nightmare on Elm Street type of thing, and that he's only after residents of Crystal Lake. You got it, yeah, sure. Yeah. Th- that was a little bit of what the crazy Ralph at sea was there to kind of half explain. Which I so, can even accept. I can accept that. That's fine. And oh, you want to please explain the way they defeat Jason in this oh, movie? Oh, sure. Well, oh, God. because... I'm after, rubbing my temples right now. First, it started at the docks, which were just empty docks somewhere in Canada. Then they get to actual New York, and it's Times Square. Hey, we're in New York. I got a gun. Let's get to a Broadway show. And then... They go into the New York of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I likened it to that to my friends. And also, like, it's also, it's part that and part Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Batman, dirty Gotham City. Kind of just in the sense that those movies that were made in that time, like Secret of the Ooze, Ninja Turtles, you know, part two. Just the dirtiest, steamiest, thuggiest New York you've ever seen. Where toxic waste is just kind of a a thing that's kept in containers or floods the entire sewer. And, and every night at 12 o'clock. Every night at 12 o'clock. Says. And, well, what's in this toxic waste? Is it radioactive? Yeah, it's toxic waste. Right. In the 80s, toxic waste was kind of filling in for what atomic power did in the 50s. And the internet did for a little while until everyone knew what it actually did in, in the, the mid-90s. Uh-huh. And now today, what, what do you say of today? Like, like, what's that vague power source that can just kind of do anything in a movie of this decade? Something from space? Genetics? Viruses. A virus can basically oh, do sure. anything. Yeah. Anything at all. Cure you or kill you. Yeah. So, whereas today it's viruses, and back in the day it was atomic power, in the mid-80s it was toxic waste. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. It's toxic waste. Yeah. It does what we want. And which, in this case, will flood the sewer just for a little bit and leave behind Jason regressed back to a little boy. 
has many faces. Death wears many different masks. But pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. So let's talk about Friday the 13th. Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell. We're up to 1993 by this point. Oh, I should mention that this movie was subtitled The Final Friday. So it's the second movie that includes the the word final. final, And it's still then not the final. I believe by now, Freddy's Dead had already come out. It had. And had been out actually for a couple years. Had New Nightmare come out? New Nightmare was 1994. Okay, so that's where we were with the big slashers. Mm -hmm. And as far as the Halloween series... I think this was some... We were somewhere in like 4 and 5 Yeah. by that point. And um, Scream had yet to tell us that the first one was good. <laughs> I just say like, Scream had yet to kind of revitalize that. Sure. Meanwhile, Jason's going to hell, which on on the front, on the cover. Hold on. Let's see if I wrote this down. Well, while you look at that, uh, I should we should mention that uh, Jason Takes Manhattan is the last film that Paramount did in the uh, franchise and uh-huh. then they sold to new line and and jason goes to hell is a new line film which makes sense then for who spoiler alert takes jason down to hell which is freddy or at least freddy's glove yes freddy's a new line product big time on the dvd cover is a quote from fangoria this is the most incredible ending we've ever seen and they're not referring to like the climax of the film and they're not referring to like the third act of the film just that They're button. referring to the button, the last 10 seconds, which is the promise of a better movie in the future, which is Jason's mask is laying on the ground. He has presumably gone to hell, let's just say. And then Freddy's glove comes up, grabs it, and takes it down. Yep. There could be a much better movie in the future based on this five seconds. Yeah. And that's the best thing that Jason Goes to Hell had going for it was the promise of a better movie to come. When I thought about how I would describe this to someone if they'd never seen it, the best I could come up with is it's like a really long, really bad episode of The X-Files. Okay. It's really high concept. Like There's something that's jumping from body to body. Right. Okay, so Jason dies in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Kane Hodder gets a cameo. The military kills Jason, like blows him apart. Yes. In a big tactical operation where they're planning to kill Jason Voorhees. And they do, and they're like, yeah, we did it. And yes, Kane Hodder's a security guard, and he calls Jason a a pussy, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's like one of the SWAT guys who, who brings him down. He's the one with the beard. Yeah. You want nothing but a big old pussy anyway. So Jason's pieces wind up at the morgue. The morgue attendant, not content to just eat like all of the other uh, (laughs) medical examiners in this series and of many other movies. Really, anytime there's a medical examiner, they're always chomping on something. He eats Jason's heart, compelled to eat his heart. And then he becomes Jason Voorhees. And retconning again. Now the story is Jason can do this. That he's got a demon inside him, and he now has a sister. Well, they really went off the rails on this one. Yeah, they did. And that sister has a baby and a mom. Or, how's this working again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sister has no, no, a baby. No, 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 no. The sister has a daughter. So the sister's a grandmother by this point. Right. The sister gets killed. So now it's up to the daughter or the baby. Because only a Voorhees can provide a vessel for Jason. And we learn slash... all this from whom? Duke. 
is his name. His name's Creighton Duke, and he's a kind of a bounty hunter. Yeah, and black he, cowboy. So he explains all this stuff about Jason that only a Voorhees can kill a Voorhees, and he's got this like magical dagger, and he's he knows everything. Who told him? How does he know all this? Now they're having fun with the series. The dagger, I believe, is from the first Evil Dead, and. <laughs> I didn't recognize the dagger without having first seen the Necronomicon. The Necronomicon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the basement. Well, that one's sitting out. What's in the basement is the Arctic Expedition crate, crate. from Creepshow. Pops Add that to various like horror icons getting their name kind of peppered throughout. There's like a Sheriff Landis, and yeah. I, I wrote a couple more. There's uh, somebody named Myers. The Myers House. They're on Cunningham Road, which is a reference to Sean Cunningham, who directed the first movie and produced all the rest of them. After a certain point in a series, they know that they're just part of a series and part of a larger genre and appealing to a certain type of fans. And this Friday the 13th had entered the same world as Bride of Chucky, where in the beginning she goes to an evidence locker and there's a hockey mask and a glove. And it's kind of like... More than ever, it's a product. And so then we don't get very much Jason. No. You know? So as this evil entity gets passed on from person to person and he jumps from one body to the next, if we catch one of them in a mirror, we see Jason. Yeah. But other than that, not too much. And this whole time, Creighton Duke, by the way, an actor named Stephen Williams plays Duke. Mm. And he was Mr. X on the X-Files. Oh. Who's like, he was a bad guy. That's... He was on it for somewhere around a dozen episodes. Um, he's great. I mean, I think he knows what movie he's in. Do you know what I mean? In the same way that, you know, I always think about, um... Donald Pleasance? Oh, that too. But, uh, what am I thinking of? Um... Oliver Reed. No, in Showgirls. What the hell's her name? Gina Gershon. In much the same way that Gina... <laughs> in much the same way that Gina Gershon knows what movie she's in in Showgirls. Nobody else does. Nobody yeah. else does. She knows. She's really heightened and really ridiculous. Um, Stephen Williams, you know, he's got that crazy eye. He's after Jason, and he needs people to believe him, and he's breaking fingers, and he's got a cowboy hat, you know? But there's something I was trying my best to care, and I was reading some IMDb trivia where they were saying, like, ooh, a lot of the dialogue in these certain scenes was ad-libbed. And I was like, no, duh. Because there's a scene where I couldn't believe, my jaw dropped, where the lead character, the girl, the Jason's sister's, daughter yeah so who she's the main one her ex-boyfriend has like dragged her into a car and he's trying to get her away from her boyfriend who is jason at the time i kind of like that character he was having no luck right but he kind of grabs this girl away and she's like what's going on what's going on just shouting at him let me go let me go what's going on and then you hear her say will somebody tell me what's going on here and i'm like somebody it's just the two of you it's a really stupid thing to say it's a weird, weird movie. and So if somebody were to say have all 12 Friday the 13th that you could watch, including the reboot and Freddy vs. Jason, and you only had a small amount of time, mm -hmm. just skip Jason Goes to Hell? That's what you're saying? Absolutely. All right, moving on. In the year 2455, on a routine training mission, a team of students is about to discover a life form frozen in time. Wow. You brought him on board? What the hell is going on? Jason Voorhees, that's what's going on. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Ah! It's okay, he just wanted his machete back. What the hell is that? You've got to be kidding me. 
David Cronenberg is in the movie yeah. at the beginning, so there's that. And the premise is that in the, in future, the future of 2010, because this came out in uh, 2002. These scientists want to study Jason because his tissue has this regenerative quality. We, we, we're fascinated. We want to study him. How does he not die? And he's being held, but they're getting ready to cryogenically freeze him. And before they've done this, David Cronenberg's character, along with some other people, are like, we're going to take him away to this research facility. And the doctor, the scientist looking over Jason is like, it's not safe. And they're like, we're doing it anyway. They all die. So the hot voice of reason. Yeah. The sexy Tri- voice of reason. The, the lady doctor. Yeah. She somehow gets doctor. him over to the cryogenic pod. But then there's a crack in it. So she gets frozen, too. A crack made by his machete. Yeah. Cut to the, the year twenty. 20- 455? 2455. The world is a wasteland and a group of like... They're in college. They're students. Yeah, I didn't get that right away. I didn't T- either. Turns out they were sort of uh, archaeologists looking over um, old things and they were a couple of old things. So they bring them on board, use some nanotechnology to uh, bring her back. And all She's Jason... She's just been stabbed. She, yeah. She had been stabbed. They bring her back and they don't expect to revive Jason. But all he needs is just a good thawing out before he starts rampaging. Yep. And now he's rampaging on a ship, and it's basically a little bit alien, a little bit aliens. Because you got the military people. That's very aliens. Yeah. Yeah. With Jason. Mm-hmm. Which, all right. You know, it's probably better than Leprechaun in space. I can't say. I haven't seen it. It's better than Leprechaun in space. I can Why wasn't I can that on the that? cover? <laughs> <laughs> this It's far too violent. One good kill, uh, not, uh, good you enough to write down. might say my favorite one, which caused me to go <gasps> and it, put my hands over my mouth. Is it when the guy is screwed? No. Oh, but okay. that one was cool. I'll, talk about I'll tell mine, you mine after. Which is uh, a, a guy li- lands on a giant drill bit, which is um, circular. I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know from drill bits. Sure. And just physics being physics, he just slowly spins his way yeah. down. Like and a record. As if that wasn't um, enough. Someone gets out the line. He's screwed. Nice. There ah. are some nice lines like that in this movie. And some, some just saucy humor like, well, my favorite kill, first of all, was the first, actually, Jason's first kill, uh, besides the prologue, which is that there's a girl alone in the lab. He's thawed out. He gets up. He takes her head and he submerges it in this icy oh, yeah. cold vat of some kind of watery chemical that immediately freezes her face so she's screaming it's that futuristic isn't it just um no what is the freeze stuff that the science teachers would just freeze a banana and shatter it for you liquid nitrogen 70 percent of the earth's atmosphere is this material it's like day one of mr wizard and i can't think of it I don't either. well and my first thought when i saw him grab her head and go for the sink was like oh it's going to be boiling i guess i've seen halloween 2 too many times thought like oh, it's hot water but he puts her and she's screaming you get the underwater shot of her scree and then it freezes 
Then he immediately pulls her head out and smashes it on the countertop. It, it so shatters. bloody icy chunks just fly everywhere. And there's no blood. It's just red icy chunks of frozen face. It was very visceral and disgusting. And that was something where I was like, listen, if they're doing Jason in space, at least they're going to use some tropes of like science and space type stuff. And, yeah. and that was truly unique to me. I was like, okay, fair enough. Now, what actually surprised me was that Jason in his endless skill for cutting the power and phone lines wasn't able to just cut the power <laughs> to, to no. just instantly know where that was no. on a spaceship. What's he going to do? Pull the distributor cap off? I have to say that this yeah. movie wasn't as mind numbing as some of the other ones were for me. Well, I mean, I think of a couple of the movies, they said, let's just have fun with it. And then I guess they had fun with it, but we didn't. Yeah. But in this one, I think again, they said, well, let's just have fun with it again. And this time, the fun bled off the screen. And a little bit, yeah. Like the us. scene with the android, MK, whatever her name is, when she's fighting Jason. I think, I think it's KM. KM. That way sometimes it's just Kim. Kim, yeah. KM. That's the sexy funny. bishop yeah. of, of the ship. Yeah. Except for her stupid mushroom haircut, but whatever. But she goes against Jason, and it's kind of fun because the actress does a good job. Yeah. A lot of Canadian actors in this movie, by the way. But she's shooting all these guns at him and, like, you know, pow, pow, pow. And then there's one point where he has turned into Uber Jason, and she's shooting at him and nothing happens, and she can tell he's whatever. And she turns to the other people, and she's like, you might want to run. She's sassy, and, and it's fun to watch that. She spends the climax of the movie as just a head. Yes. Which yeah. is fun. And I also enjoy all the virtual reality stuff is fun and a, a really neat touch. And as a callback to just by whatever point they'd really figured out the tropes of the movie and started playing with them. They try to slow them down with two hologram campers. Hey, you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? Or we can have premarital sex. And they take their shirts off and their boobies are flying. And I mean, they're right. He is very well distracted and he's like, must kill campers. And, and, then, and then they cut back to him, and I, I didn't mention at the time, um, classic kill from, I believe this was New Blood, which is the girl in the sleeping bag mm-hmm. that he just picks up the whole sleeping bag and gives it like one whack against a tree, and then she's dead. Yep. Pretty original kill. So now he's trying to kill a couple of holograms. You can't. So he's got one in the sleeping bag, and he's just beating it against the other one, and you can just kind of hear the holograms just They're kind like, of muffled. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, why won't you die? And he, doesn't he finally beat that one just against a tree and drop it? He's I think like, he just gets frustrated done. and yeah. walks away. And, and, I'm done. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, it wasn't, again, it's another one of those things where he's so far away from the Jason that I know and love that... Well, I don't care about it as much as a Jason film, but it wasn't. It was definitely not the worst movie I've ever seen. Maybe why you're warming to this one over some of the others is because of instead of trying to do Jason and just getting him wrong, they're trying to do something else, right? And and they're they're not messing with any that had come before. All they really say about him as a person is, he, "Oh, mass murder! He killed like 200 people, and he can't die." Yeah, and that's all that you ever hear. They don't about go him. back and retcon. They don't try to change his past. They don't change his relationship with his mother. They don't change. Did he die in the lake? Was he not dead in the lake? They don't try to to mold his past to fit their movie. It's just choose your own adventure. Whatever truth you want to have about Jason, remember that. And now he's in space 450 years from now. Wee! Yeah. Take your best Jason and put him in space. Right. 
is, is pretty is much what this one is. super dumb, but I do believe that there are some things about the movie that are quite adept at what they're trying to do. Some of the silly jo- Like, I laughed out loud a couple times. Some of the scenes mm. were just mind-numbingly stupid, and I, I they were awful. And, there, and some of the actors were pretty painful to watch, but not all of them, you mm. know? They had their guy who's, like, kind of... The guy who, who made the android and who, like, loves her, kind mm-hmm. of... They get the kiss at the end. I was like, oh, he's the Chandler Bing. Like, <laughs> you know, it's 2001. Everybody loved Friends. You could just see them being like, he's totally a Chandler Bing. He's making jokes all the time. Like, that's the character. I'm like, okay, I get what they're trying to do. Oh, sorry, did I get you? No, you didn't get me. It's an electric drill. You get me, you kill me. One of my favorite jokes, and I realized as I was watching the movie, is that I haven't watched the trailer, but I would probably put money on. I bet this moment was in the trailer because I think I, I think remember I know what it. You're about to say. And it's the guy who's like, guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. Yeah, it's in the trailer. And he just, phew. That made me laugh out loud. I was like, you know, there are worse things in the world. Like Jason Takes Manhattan, <laughs> um, for example. To me, it's not a Jason Voorhees movie, necessarily, but as far as if they're going to bastardize a franchise, they've done worse before this. And I actually kind of had a little bit of fun watching it. I would say, um, in conclusion, good people, if it's been a little while since you've seen one of these movies, watch them with a friend. I think that'll make any of these films a lot more fun. If they're good, enjoy a good movie with a friend. If they kind of go off the rails into some wacky directions, then enjoy that with a friend. And my opinion of it is, watch one and two and six and maybe Jason X just because it'll give you some really, like, it's the culmination of all the other ridiculousness they try to do. You know, it's completely different. I say throw in part four. All right. For, um. I, you know, I'll, I'll go along fun. with that. Four could be, four is fun. Yeah. All right. Okay. One, two, four, six, and ten. Everything else, you can... No, well, no, hold on, Kent, before we put a lid on that. What if you're hosting a bad movie night? You got Troll 2, and it's a double feature, and you say, well, should I uh, should I do Flash Gordon? I've seen that at a bad movie night. Should I do My Name is Bruce? Should I do something obvious or a little less obvious? Or should I pick one of the Friday the 13th movies for a bad movie night? I think the obvious answer should probably be Jason Takes Manhattan because it's such a horrible idea and they execute it so poorly but there's a lot of that movie that's not even fun bad um i think i might go with three i mean because it's not all the 3d super, yeah all, all, the 3D. Well, all the 3d that's not 3d when you're watching it at home yeah all the 3d that's not 3d when you're watching it at home the biker gang it's so dumb it's got a lot of really fun kills you got the couple at the beginning who's like watching the end of part two on the news like they get murdered at the beginning and they're pretty oh, stupid yeah, yeah. but they're your fun nice you know characters you get to know just enough about before they get murdered yeah i'm gonna go with three if you're if you're making three. a drinking game having a silly fun night right. and you want to watch something crappy watch part three if you're, having fun, pe- if you're having if you're having people over to watch a bad movie on purpose and you want to pick from the friday 13th uh franchise three yeah and have a dance party to the opening theme because it's fun Okay, and uh, couple that with the stuff. Yeah, too much is never enough of the stuff. I programmed stuff. a bad movie night once for friends, and it was uh, the stuff and Angel. I don't know. That. High school honor student by day, Hollywood hooker by night. Wow. Yeah, that was a good night. Come on, Dad. I'm trying to make a good impression. It's a lovely night. Walking in the moonlight is very romantic. Trust me. But Dad, you promised to let me use the car if I got good grades. <clears throat> 
Dad, I want to take her to the movies. It'll take an hour to walk there. Then you better get going. And by the way, enjoy the show. All right, folks, that was our second part of our Friday the 13th episode. I should mention, yeah. since you just listened to our second part and you were brave enough to venture into the world of Friday the 13th in December, if right. you listened to it when we aired it, that for um, Halloween, I was Pamela Voorhees right. this year. That's... I did that. So that was a lot of fun. Maybe once this podcast episode airs, just go look at our Facebook page. I'll try to remember to post video of myself as Pamela Voorhees. It's pretty funny. Please do. Yeah. And find us on Facebook as Boys and Ghouls. Write to us at boysandghouls at gmail.com. Let us know if you found an error. Yeah. Or just liked something we had to say. We don't fact check everything. No. And feel free to go, um, by the way, rate us on iTunes and or leave a comment, a review. That's really fun. We like that. Since recording this episode, because we recorded it back for uh, September, was the first Friday the 13th. And then yep. we, we split it up into two. Um, in between then and now, I went on somebody else's podcast that I forgot to mention back in October. Oh, no. You're right. I mean, I, I put it up on our Facebook page. Please yeah. follow us on Facebook. <laughs> but I went and joined the fun duo over at Geektastic. It's a really fun episode. And if you like listening to me now, listen to me again. Over there. Or, over on a different podcast. With those funny guys. I'm basically the same. I tried to keep up with the way they did their show. Uh, which is a little different than ours. It's really fun because they're not as well-versed in horror as you are. So you could, well, they, there they, were many moments where you totally schooled them, thanks. which was great. They brought me in as a, uh, a Halloween time uh, horror movie um, I don't think they knew what they expert. were getting with you either. I think they were pretty impressed by your prolific knowledge. Thanks. In comparison to theirs, for sure. Yeah, There are some, uh, some points at which we differed, and then I went back later and looked up, and I was like... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But, They're um, great guys, though. They, it, the whole episode was great. And that's episode number 40 of Geektastic, where if you just can't get enough of Marshall, if you've listened to all 10 available episodes and say, you know what? I could use a little more. Yeah. Just, I know. Just, I uh, always feel that way. Just a little taste to tide you over till the next episode. Comes <laughs> anyway, so that's where you'll find me. And um, I guess I would, would just like to also say, like, thanks for joining us through a two-parter. Yeah. When you think horror... Almost at the top of that list is Jason and the Friday the 13th movies. Totally. And we knew as we were doing the episode, we could not contain it all to one episode. Yep. All right, folks. Have a good month. Have a good Friday the 13th if you're listening to this on the day it drops. Thank and you very much. Have a much. good holiday celebration if you celebrate things in December. Right. And Kat, as always. Beware the moon. Yeah. Be there.